Red Kite Prayer is hosting its first ever event October 12th through 14th, 2018, the Red Kite Rendezvous. The two and a half day event will feature bikes from some of the industry's top frame builders, two gravel rides, some of the world's finest craft beers, which are brewed locally, plus enough food to make the pedaling fun. For more information or to register, go to redkiteprayer.com backslash store. The Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Celine Yeager, a.k.a. the Fit Chick of Bicycling Magazine. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. All right, Celine, has it cooled off at all? Um, well, I, I, I have just resigned the fact that we live in a tropical forest now. It has been... It, it's still pretty warm. It's in the 80s, and it's. Uh, I, I don't know if you've caught that we have a giant hurricane coming towards the East Coast. Uh, yeah, but there's a giant hurricane coming towards the East Coast, which is just, I, we're not going to thankfully really get hit by it, but it's created this wetness, <laughs> for lack of a better term, for the past week. I mean, it's not really rained much necessarily, but it's just, it's kind of like living in Florida without the sunshine. So it'll oh. be it'll be good when this. <laughs> we're all wow. looking forward to maybe some crisp fall weather at some point. Perhaps it's been pretty crazy on the East Coast. Good grief! Yeah. What a thing! Yeah, yeah. I was but, talking to a friend in Boston, and he said, "Yeah, it's still hot as hell." Yeah. Oh, last week. I mean, it was ninety. It was just super, super hot. They were and again, like we said. <laughs> cross will kill you you know it's just like it's, <laughs> it's so hot but uh yeah um it will create some nice muddy conditions for people this weekend there's a nittany cross which is a huge one here like there'll, there'll be mm. 900 people on the line you know over the course of the day um two-day event so that's going to be a big one uh should be muddy wow. form if not uh, cold well yeah, I mean, cross is at its most cross when it is muddy. So there's that. Is that is true. There is that. So, Adam, <laughs> what are you up to? Um, you know, I feel I'm I'm afraid because I'm about to do some traveling, but I feel like I've finally gotten some things really lined up for myself. Uh, we we've talked about the problem of like looking at a scale and just looking at your weight, but. Uh, I bought a body fat scale oh. uh, last winter and, um, you know, have really tried to let go of the first number and focus on the second number, yep. you know, the body yep. fat number when it pops up. Yep. And also the third number, which is the hydration number, what mm. percentage of my body is water. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been a, a neat thing. If I come back from a ride and it says 51%, it's like, hmm, Patrick's that's dehydrated. Low. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I, you know, but really trying to pay attention uh, to the body fat number uh, as 
not just as a thing to make go smaller, mm-hmm. but as a way to kind of chart how my fitness has been coming. Right. Because I went through a very weird spring of just not being able to find any fitness whatsoever. And suddenly now, yeah, I'm 10 pounds lighter. Uh, I feel good on the bike. I'm I'm occasionally recording PRs on easy rides. Um, hmm. Things have really turned around for me. And I feel like, okay, I've got the diet portion squared away. I've figured out a new routine that allows me to get out pretty much every day for a ride. That's good. And with those things firing on, on maybe not all cylinders, but most of them, Man, my life is a good deal better. Cool. And and fun, yeah. fun little piece of useless trivia for you. October is everybody's on average lightest weight of the year. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that, is that bad Dang. news? <laughs> I thought <laughs> well, that would make wanted, you feel good. Like, you're well, coming into I'm October. coming into October. Yeah, yeah, but I'd rather hear that that's usually everyone's heaviest month. Oh, I'm so sorry. So if I'm on the upswing, you know, it's like... I didn't mean to make uh, it sound like you were doing an average thing. Um, that's not... No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just a little trivia, but... It, that is interesting to don't know. Don't let it diminish your um, gains. Yeah. Well, no, I just... I hope that I can keep the momentum going through the rest of the season. Yeah. You know, if I can, if I can keep a bunch of this off this winter, I will be so happy. Uh, it should be a little bit easier because I don't anticipate I'll be drinking as much wine and beer over the winter because I don't think my town's going to burn down again this uh, fall. Mm. Mm. Right. Uh, maybe that I is... shouldn't speak too soon. Right. Anyway, let's yeah. carry on. Well, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, well, what do you say you jump in? Sure. Uh So, as you know, I have been a personal trainer, a coach, health and fitness writer for a long time. I mean, we're talking, you know, a couple decades here now at this point. Yeah. And and one of the topics that I've written about more than any other is exercise motivation. Uh, You know, even for even for bicycling runners world where people are actively engaged in a hobby that they love and not, you know, quote unquote, exercising just for exercise sake. You know, the mojo (laughs) can come and go. Right. So um, I've I've written much about this, many tips, how to stay motivated, how to stay on track. And what do you think the number one tip for maintaining your exercise motivation is? If you had to guess, like what's the number one thing I've written over and over again? Get three guesses. Uh, s- social factors, You're friends. Really, really close. Yep, yep. And I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. It's find a buddy, right? Like, okay. That is yep. that is uh, that's a very good guess. It's it is the number one thing that uh, I tell people, and that you know it has been shown to improve adherence. And and mm-hmm. you know there's there's lots of there's lots of reasons for that. You know, one, you're accountable. So if you say to yourself, yeah. self, I'm going to get up and be on the road for a spurt at 5.30 a.m. And it's actually just talking to yourself. You may stuff earplugs in when you hear the first bird and just roll back over and go to sleep. Right. Like it's, well, it's I've, hard. I've never done that. Yeah. No, it's never it's, done that. It's much. But, you know, if you know somebody is waiting for you at 5.30 a.m., Right. You're 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 going to get out on your tuchus and you're going to kid up and roll out like you planned. I mean, that's just and you're going to be glad you did. And there's going to be company. You know, cyclists often have built in buddy systems because we have group rides 
and such, yeah. you know, but but not always. And, you know, for me personally, the kind of training I've done all over the years is not conducive to a lot of group riding. In fact, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Like group riding can be counterproductive when you have personal goals because it's it's almost impossible to stick to your own script. It's almost impossible unless your goal of the day or what your coach wants you to do is a hard group ride. Doing a group ride will almost always be either too easy, too hard, too something. You know, you can't do your, unless you want to be a jerk. You can't do your intervals, you know, in the middle of a group ride. There are people who try that, but it, it's never really good form. So, <laughs> you know, it's yep. just not. But so I prefer historically to ride with just one or two other people. You know, there have been a number of people over the years who fit that bill. But but there's one friend in my life who's been like the longest guy, longest run of like 20 years. I've known this person, ridden with him through Ironman. And it's it's been just like a really great thing because it's somebody who likes to get up early like I do. It's somebody who rides very similarly to me. He doesn't mind the rain. You know, like he'd rather ride at 5 a.m. than 5 p.m. We both have kids. We mountain bike. We cross race. We both like big, dumb things. Uh, you know, our friend, our, <laughs> it's true. Our family and friends, like it's just like a very symbiotic relationship because even like this past couple of years, I haven't been coached, but I've just kind of glommed onto him because if I can just hang onto his wheel when he does intervals, I'm doing about 30% less work. And then we both get the same workout, right? Like, it's just been a really, it's been a really great thing. And it's all worked out super, super well, except now, Patrick, he's injured. Oh. He's, he's hurt. Yes. He had a crash in a mountain bike race last July, and he's had some chronic ankle trouble. So he's had two surgeries in the past many months, in the past two months. Um you know, and it's not like I don't have plenty of people to ride here with. There's a great cycling community here. Super great cycling community. I, I, But for my workouts, for the first time in a long time, I am wishing that I could follow my own advice a little bit. Like, I, you know, staying, staying, <laughs> staying motivated to go out, especially because, have I mentioned his damp? You know, it's been like, it's it's funny. I've just been like, wow. And I, it, it. He had no sympathy for me when I texted him yesterday and was like, I can't believe you're hurt. I have to go out and do this by myself. <laughs> yeah, that was maybe <laughs> ill-advised. It, it, it didn't. He's like, so you're like, I have to listen to your pity party? He's like, do you want a pity party? You know, so it's uh, it's funny. I'm like fully appreciating this little piece of advice that I've written so many times. Um Hey, I'm juggling a lot of stuff. It's just it's just been it's been an interesting mental exercise for me, and I've come to appreciate and I like that when when I have to examine a piece of advice I've given and recognize that sometimes it might be a struggle for people to follow that piece of advice that I think is such a simple piece of advice, right? And so I'm just well, saying, when, I guess when you have all the blocks in place, yeah, yeah, it seems really simple, right? But if you don't have the blocks in place, then it's like, oh, what the hell do I do now, right? Yeah, and I'm curious, like what, you, like what's your experience with it? Like, do you tend to just do group stuff, or do you? train alone when you're gunning for something or do you have a couple friends <laughs> all of the above uh, none of the above I don't, I don't know it's interesting you know it's really interesting so for 17 years I lived in Redondo Beach and I could group ride myself into overtraining easily uh, mm -hmm. it, you know in three weeks I could be just completely fried uh, there were there were group rides Tuesday Wednesday Thursday <laughs> Friday, 
Saturday and Sunday. And on Saturday and Sunday, I had choices depending on where I wanted to go. The only one of those that was sort of reasonable was the Friday coffee ride. And by the time I moved away, even it was going hard. Huh. It was just crazy. So I, you know, I learned to work within a group ride ethos. So I learned how to do intervals in group rides. Like I would, you know, when the ride was going hard and it was time for me to, you know, I wouldn't oh, okay. structure them time-wise super, right, right, super right. carefully. You would just use it for I'd intensity. Hide for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd hide for a while. Then I'd go to the front and kill myself. Yeah. And then I'd do what I could to make sure I got back in after I killed myself. And that was crazily effective. But when I moved up here, there is no group ride culture here except for a couple of after ride works for as long as we have uh, light. And then there is one mountain bike ride in the evenings. But I have little people, you know, oh, yeah, school yeah. little people. I'm not getting out. So my only window is during hours when everybody else is working. Right. So I've got one buddy who can sometimes get away because he works from home. And so he's the closest thing I have to kind of a regular ride buddy. Yeah. I have a, an unanswered text to him as we speak. <laughs> so the thing for me is that, yeah, I started finding it difficult to get out from my rides because there was so much work to do. Yep. And because I no longer had that schedule of meeting other people at 630 in the morning. Yeah. Knowing that, you know, it's funny. I still carry guilt about this one incident where a buddy came over to my house the summer of 89 to go out for an early morning ride. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's 89. I didn't expect that. Yeah. You're still... Okay, please continue. I, I still harbor guilt because like my mom answered the door and she came and got me and I'm like, I can't do it. I can't get up. And she sent him away. Huh. College student tells his mother to send his buddy away. Right, right. And I, I'm still like <laughs> over it. So... Yeah, the, the social piece, you know, respecting those friendships, that's really key when you have that one other person you're meeting. When it's a big group ride, it's a different sort of thing where, like, buddy, they're going to leave without you. You yeah, can either yeah. be there or not. Yep. And no one's going to cry if you didn't show up. And so I've had to, you know, think about, well, what elements from those things can I pull into my life and try to create a new structure? And I'm still working on it. But the big thing for me is, you know, right now, while it's started getting cooler in the morning and I don't want to have to think about how to dress correctly, I just wait until it's 70 or 75 yeah. here or 80. And, and so I'm going out, you know, I get my work done. And when I'm at a point where it's like, okay, I've done pretty much all the heavy lifting I need to do for the day, then I dart out for my ride. I, I get back with just enough time to pull on sneakers, and then I get the cargo bike, and I go get the boys from school. And that's become the arc of my days. But I, between having been overloaded with work for a while and also suffering depression for a while when i'm depressed it becomes difficult for me to give myself permission to ride oh, for as sure. much as i need it and so it's been it's been really key for me to figure out a new way to establish that routine and just trust that no matter what's going on day to day 
that when I do get out there, it's it's gonna feel good and yep. I'm gonna be glad. Yep. And I'm gonna get back without any regrets. But that has it's still not a routine. Yeah. And that's a new learned behavior for me. Oh, I can so totally understand it's not that. Easy. Totally. Like and my arc is very similar right now these days where I'm just like I find I because I, I need an anchor in my day or I'm sort of adrift, you know, and um <laughs> You know, sometimes it's like, okay, I'll do the same like you do. I work until I have a, a break point and then I ride. Or sometimes I just want to ride and then I have, I know I'll have an uninterrupted, you know, I'll have an uninterrupted time. But, yeah. but, but I still like, there, there's definitely times right now where I feel like I was when I was a kid, like banging on people's doors looking for someone to come out and play. Like, I'm just texting <laughs> people, right? Hey, you want to ride? <laughs> da, 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 da. Hey, you want to ride? Like, just looking for someone to say, hey, yeah, let's go ride. It's, well, and then there's the weird reality of, of your life where you have this ability to ride at one o'clock when everybody yeah, yeah. else is like, are, have you lost your mind? Right. I'm right. in a suit right now at an <laughs> office. What are you thinking? You know? Yep. Yeah. Years ago, I had a friend, even though I was working from home at the time, I was keeping very normal office hours. And I, I would keep getting these uh, emails from her. Hey, I'm leaving at 1230 for a ride. And I would just look at it, go, well, good luck. <laughs> yeah, have fun. But now yeah. it's like, well, if I don't if I don't get out at some point in the middle of the day, I'm just not getting out. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's no going for a ride while a five-year-old and a nine-year-old are fighting about breakfast. Nope. And it's really, I mean, you're just out. I call it making milk, right? Like you just, you don't, when you when you work by yourself, you don't have many brainstorming meetings. You don't have much to break up stuff. You've got to go like, it's your own meeting with yourself in some way. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I sometimes have to work to remind myself, and I suppose this is probably not all that applicable to a great many of our listeners, but I have to remind myself that, you know, my day does have a certain greater level of efficiency because I'm not getting called into meetings. Oh, and, yeah. You know, that's nobody's wandering into my cube. Well, somebody, but he's yeah. orange and white. <laughs> No, no. Wait, the meeting thing. Everybody out there who has who's in an office, and when I'm in the office, like the meetings are never ending, right? They're just never ending. So, anyway, that's a uh, that's my. I like to be reminded about my own advice sometimes, and that's my pull. I'm getting reminded about my own advice. <laughs> I'll be interested to hear how this how this goes for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, so next week is Interbike. Oh my God! It is. Now. Yeah, Oof. they've shifted dates. You know, it used to be Monday through Friday. Now it's going to be Sunday through Thursday. Oh, why I'm I'm only partly clear, but anyway, they've shifted the dates. Hmm. Uh, part of that is also to add a consumer date to make it a little more consumer friendly. And honestly, that's not a bad idea, given it, how it has always seemed like when I go, at least twenty percent of everyone I see there are people who don't actually work in the bike industry. Yeah. I would yeah. see all these friends from LA and Las Vegas. Like, Oh, what are you here for? I came for the show. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but the show has also moved locations from Las Vegas to Reno and our colleague, Matt Phillips, uh, criticized <laughs> it as putting a worse show in a worse Vegas. But his language is a little more colorful. Yeah, yeah. We still want the E rating on this one. The, the uh... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not explicit. I like the show. 
This will be my 26th straight year wow. of some version of Interbike. Originally, I was going on the East Coast. I went to Atlantic City once. I went to Philly two or three yeah, times. Yeah. And then after moving to California, I started going to Anaheim, went to that a couple of years. And then ever since, it's been Las Vegas. The funny thing is, there was only one thing I ever actually wanted to do in Vegas. And no, it was not go to the Bunny Ranch. <laughs> I wanted to visit the Pinball Hall of Fame, but oh. I never had time. So it's funny that I went to... I went to Las Vegas for whatever it was, 13 years or something, years. Uh, 11 years anyway, and I didn't do the one thing I wanted to do, uh, and now I'm hoping that I'll never, ever go to Las Vegas ever again, Fair. but there's, you know, the show's in trouble. Yeah. It has done a poor job of serving the industry for the last few years, and I want to be careful here and say, I don't really entirely think that's the fault of the show or the show's management mm -hmm. the market has changed wildly shops no longer place their preseason orders at the show big companies like trek and specialized and even smaller brands like scott have their own dealer event where they have shop staff as captive audience for several days you know yep. it's usually it's like a three-day thing they've got training seminars you know you meet with your rep and you talk about your order it's not just half an hour at some trade show booth. So in that regard, you know, that's been a real service uh, to the industry. But it brings up an issue for the trade show, right? I'm still excited to go, as always. But based on the buzz I've been hearing from many colleagues, there is a terrific enthusiasm for shifting the outdoor demo from the desert to North Star Ski Resort. Hmm. But there is a decided lack of enthusiasm for the indoor portion of the show, the yep. actual interbike portion of interbike. Yep. If this turns out to be as underwhelming as people think it will be, and Lord knows you can always find a doomsayer in the bike industry, I think... I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to predict that this will be one of the last two or three editions of the traditional Interbike show. And it will be supplanted by a week-long outdoor demo. At that point, the only question will be which ski resort will vie for inking a five-year deal to get the show to come to their ski resort. Um, and That's I'm, a good prediction. I'm interested to see how this goes. You know, I, I'm really kind of excited to get there. I'm, you know, certainly excited to see all my industry friends and mm -hmm. see the new stuff, but I'm really, I'm much more curious about this from a sociological level, <laughs> uh, a business level of like, what's going to happen? So what do you think? Are you going to be at the show? I am not going to be at the show. I, I don't, uh, unlike you, I don't go every year. Um, I tend to go, and I, and I miss it when I don't, but, but for the reasons that you stayed. It's just so fun to see everybody, right? Like, that's really the biggest reason. Because when I do go, it's usually I have a book or something that I'm promoting along with helping out bicycling. So there's some sort mm -hmm. of other professional, personal reason. And... I just don't really have that this year. And we've been sending fewer and fewer people, honestly. We used to send, like, everybody. And it's just been because of because of the whole phenomenon you talk about. And this has been happening, let's be clear, for 15 years, right? Like, when did, when did Canada... Like, a lot of the big names stopped going a long time ago. Like, 
Yeah. It's it's been a, it's been quite a while. Like some of the big names have just pulled out for for quite a while. But you could go and maybe see smaller things. But now like the handmade I feel like the handmade bike show has sort of taken over some of that element. You've got the Philly bike show, the big dealers fly journalists out. We've been to those press events. You know, it's not just the yep. shop dealers. You know, so the internet has been incredibly disruptive with everything, but especially these kind of giant trade shows. They're just, they're dinosaurs at this point. Uh, you know, and I agree with you, it's not for lack of trying. I mean, I know the people behind the curtain there, and they really have been trying to make it work. But it's it's just a, it's just an antiquated model. It's just a really antiquated model. And I am not optimistic that Reno is the answer. I, I thought that was... Honestly, straight up, one of the dumbest decisions I've heard, and I, I'm I'm totally with Matt Phillips on that. Like, why would you take it from Vegas and put it in Reno, which is harder to get to, more expensive to get to, and still just like a crappy casino kind of atmosphere? It's it's yep. I, 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 I it, it's a, it's mystifying to me. And you know, I, I think the I think Interbike has also been a victim of Interbike, and I think all that time that it's been in Vegas was part of the poisoning of it, quite frankly. Because when you go to, I mean, I, I don't want to I don't want to take this down the whole like sexism and all that in the bike industry, but I don't think Interbike has ever done us favors because of its presence in Vegas and because of you can't keep Vegas from bleeding into Interbike and all that. It's just it just never helped. And people would go to the outdoor demo show, right? And and mm-hmm. and they'd be like, "Wow, people are so friendly and welcoming." And you don't feel like there's all this just trashy. Be like, it, it, it just has such a different vibe, and it's the vibe that it's inclusive and it's fun, and nobody's a killjoy. Everybody's having a good time. We're all at the party, and I've it's always frustrated me that Interbike has never been able to 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 do that. Never, it's, yeah. it, it's always frustrated me. And I thought they had a chance to reboot that and then to send it to Reno? Like, come on. So, so you can clearly <laughs> see how I feel about the whole Switch Reno. I think it's unfortunate. I, I, I don't wish for the demise of the show. I wish for the show to find itself and resurrect itself in ways that are meaningful. And maybe a week-long outdoor demo would be the way to do that. You know, it, it, to to actually make it about what the hell it's about, like riding your bikes and an outdoor thing and experiencing this. I mean, it's living hell walking around those the the conference yeah. floors. It's terrible, and the sands the were so pavilion. worst. Oh, I would get so <laughs> lost. I'd have an appointment, and you're just like you're you have the app open, and you're looking up at the street signs that they have hanging, and you still can't find a cliff. You know, the cliff booth that you've been looking for for 25 minutes. So I I would not be sorry to see that go, honestly. I I do. I, I hope that I actually hope your prediction is correct. I think that would be the best but, thing that could happen to it. One of the one of the most interesting things to me is how, you know, you think back on the bikes that were being sold in, say, the mid 1990s. The road bikes didn't vary all that much. Mm hmm. You know, they were all kind of of a piece unless, you know, you switched materials from steel to aluminum or right. carbon fiber. They were all kind of of a piece. The geometries didn't vary that much. And the mountain bikes, you know, they were all pretty yeah. similar. And I look at the bike market now and there's a much greater degree of diversity in road bikes than there has ever been before. Not even mentioning gravel. And 
Yeah. And then you look at what's going on in mountain bikes. And I mean, even among trail bikes, you think of all the different suspension designs. It's amazing. They all ride different. Yep. They really do. There's never been a greater need for people to be able to get to a demo event and actually try bikes. That's a great point. So, you know, I think part of this is a matter of rethinking the entire business model. The, the whole preseason order thing is not going to come back. Right. Lead right. times for the big companies have been pushed out, and they've been pushed out by companies like Shimano, who have even longer lead times now. Yep. And so they can't just suddenly shift it to last March and <laughs> fix things. Right. I, it, you know, no matter where you no, put no, it. And for- so the only question now is, like, finding a good location where the demoing uh, it makes sense for people. I agree. I agree. So this is, you know, this is going to be an interesting chapter. I think it may only be transitional, but I'm really hopeful that the consumer piece of this works out well mm-hmm. and inspires them. Uh, and that, you know, hopefully this will start to the success of the outdoor demo I'm hoping for success for the outdoor demo and hopefully that will start drawing some of the bigger companies back into the fold to make a healthier show. That would be awesome. I, you know, let's, I'm, I'm super interested to see what you find and, you know, what a couple of the staffers we have going do find. Cause it, it would, I mean, you know, it'd be great to have a, a healthy place for us to, 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 to convene every year and, and see product and, and all that it would be, it would be great. Yeah, the annual kind of family reunion. Yeah, and that's that's legit. Like, FaceTime is important always, no matter what, right? Like, I think that there's always going to be some value and desire for that, but Mm -hmm. not not in the way that it's been held. Yeah, yeah. And who knows, if if the consumer portion really does well, it could start becoming... You know, a getaway that more and more people are thinking about. Hey, let's go ride six new bikes. Yeah. I mean, look, that's been successful because of that, right? Because of that component. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many years did I actually race that? I think I I went there to race six years, but I've gone to the event for 14 or something. Racing it is actually very, very difficult. You know, whenever you're, it's just like, oh, and now I've got a race. I better get off my feet and get in my bike kit. But, uh, (laughs) you know, whatever. Yeah. But it's 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 a very successful show, and it, it's because of all those yeah. things, because of it's because of what it's about, you know, getting out and seeing bikes and riding on them, and watching racing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool stuff. Yeah, and that's a really great, friendly location. It's not the easiest to get to, True. but it's a really really nice location that's worth it to get to. So I should know the answer to this, but what? What is of Cross Vegas now? I should know that answer. And actually, it's, I'm. It's it's now Cross Reno or something. Is it actually? I mean, it, yeah, yeah. Wow, there okay. will be a cyclocross race. Uh, I don't know where it's being held. Huh. Um, you know, this is interesting. I mean, Boulder Canyon was 20, 25 minutes from downtown or, or the, from oh, the strip place. in Vegas. You know, it was a little ways away. Yeah. Not that far away away. North Star and Reno, that's 45 minutes. Wow. So y- you really do need to move oh, hotels from one event to the other. That's not, a, that's, that's not awesome. That's not, that, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. I know lots of people who are going only for the outdoor demo this year. So it'll be interesting to see who's on the floor. I mean, we have people going just for the outdoor 
It'll be it'll be very interesting mm-hmm. to see how that plays out. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we will see. Uh, yep. North Star is a neat location. It's at altitude. Yeah, so it is. I've I'm... been there. Oh, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be lightheaded. <laughs> Thank God for ski lifts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there's that. Yeah. All righty. Well, what do you say we move on to the paceline picks? Sounds good. Sounds good. So my pick this week is something that I had wished <laughs> I wished I had taken out to uh, Idaho with me. I've got. Um, I have a whole bag filled with bento boxes, snack packs, whatever you want to call them. You know, the little things that you attach to your top tube that used to be a triathlete thing. But now with gravel, they've kind of moved into fat bikes and gravel and everything else. Um, I didn't bring a single one. I did a test on them. I rode up a whole roundup on bicycling for them. I literally have like... 17 of them. I didn't bring a single one. Why? I don't know. Because I don't know. Anyway, but the one I would have brought (laughs) that I used out in Michigan that I really enjoy was the Ovea Negra snack pack. um, The extra large one. It's it's a durable, I don't care what you want to call it, lunchbox, bento box. It's they, they come in really cool designs. You know, you can you can buy colors that match your kit, uh, which which I did. I matched mine to my helmet and my shoes. It's yeah. wide Velcro. It stays stable. You can buy some. I have a, an open bike that you can actually bolt them. You can buy ones that you can, you know, bolt them right. so they're not going anywhere. Uh, you know, it's just it's so great when you have any kind of glove on, but especially heavier gloves. Fishing food out of your pocket for these long, colder adventures is so difficult. You know, you can barely feel it. You have no tactile anything. Then you try to, like, take off your glove to get into your pocket to get your food and put your glove back on. Forget it. Like, these things are just like, right there. I like the uh, Ovea because it's got a really big zipper. I can open it up and get everything I want out of it. And it holds, like, enough for a sandwich. Just, uh, I, I've become a really big fan of these things. I'll keep that on there. They're super light. There's no reason to even remove them. So, I've become a really big fan. Huh. So, that's... Uh, that would be my pick this week. How, how describe just how big this thing is? I mean, you said sandwich. Uh, the ones I'm thinking of, you could maybe get a club sandwich in there once it was cut into triangles. You have to, you have to cut it up. Yeah, I'm not putting a, a, a subway sub in there like whole. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> you. You have to cut the sandwich into. But I think, and I didn't test it, but I do. I, I put three bars in there. So if you can put three bars okay. in there, I think you can put like four sandwich quarters in there. It's it's big enough and it's got like little side, you know, divisions so you can put jails or money and stuff that's so it's not all in like one big mess of cargo space. But they uh I just I just feel like they they fill a need that you know I, Jersey pockets are awesome. I mean, it's great to be able to carry your stuff like that, but it's so convenient to have that kind of stuff like right within reach. When you're, mm-hmm. when you're, especially on gravel, that's unsteady. You know, like it's the less that you have to like t- contort yourself and try to not turn your bars by accident, the better off you are, and to ha- and the easier it is to feed yourself. Honestly, the better off you are. So, yeah, I become a big fan. Very true. Of, of the, uh, of the bento boxes. Huh. Okay. You ever use Very one? Cool. Not yet. I, I, I've I seen a few that yeah. I thought, okay, that one's not completely objectionable. <laughs> We're yeah. gonna have you wearing a fanny pack and a bento box in no time, Patrick. That you be a changed I'm man. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, I'm probably gonna need some wool socks and Birkenstocks then. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> what is your okay. what's your pick? 
So some months back, I reviewed some stick-on-frame protectors. These are clear pieces of, of urethane that you put on your frame so that you can either protect the paint or impact damage on the carbon fiber, you know, wear marks that you would get from the cable housing. The one that I reviewed had the logo of the manufacturer printed on them. And I was kind of, you know, it wasn't my favorite look in the whole world, but I was sort of amazed at how many RKP readers just detested the product because it wasn't perfectly clear. Hmm. Well, there's a new company and it's it's got uh, protectors, a couple different sorts, and they come in various colors. There's clear plastic uh, or clear polyurethane as well as some others. The company's uh, Bike Armor, kind hmm. of obvious name. Uh, so they do, broadly speaking, two different protectors. There's the polyurethane uh, that is several millimeters thick and then a thinner one that's made from PVC which is mostly about just protecting paint uh, but yeah like I said in addition to clear they also make some one that are some that are printed with designs like camouflage uh, or a carbon fiber weave hmm. um, so you know you might have some opportunity to try to disguise its presence Single pieces to protect a down tube start at $12.99. There's a set of just little buttons to kind of protect your frame up under cable housing that are $8.99. And then you can get various kits going up to an entire frame protection kit for $89. This is really impressive stuff. Um, and I, yeah, I got to admit, seeing the stuff on my bike when there's no logo for somebody stamped on it. Yeah, it does look better. Cool. So this is it's mountain bike. Which uh, they are bike neutral. Okay. So there are there are pieces that are probably more appropriate to mountain bikes, but they make some that you know will work easily on either a road bike or a mountain bike. Uh, I've got a gravel bike that I'm kind of concerned about the nice paint on the down tube. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, that's the sort of thing that you know I've been considering. Cool. Yeah. Neat stuff. Bike armor. So there'll be a, a link uh, in our show notes. Well, I'd say that's a wrap for this episode of The Pace Line. Uh, what are you up to this weekend? I have a jam-packed weekend again. Um, yeah? Yeah. This weekend is a another premier gravel event in Pennsylvania called Keystone Gravel. And Keystone Gravel is held in the ironically named Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania, which I'm not even really sure where... Yeah where that comes from because it's nowhere near any shore. It's central. Uh, it's beautiful. It's in the pine forests in, in Pennsylvania, and it's on a private piece of property. It's like a 300-plus acre farm stead that is just with Ooh. a renovated barn. The, the guy gets bands, and like bluegrass bands, and lots of good beer, and his wife pickles everything. So you come back to this amazing spread of pickled everything when you're done, which is just phenomenal hmm. uh but it's a fun format it's like, i don't know if you've ever done a grindoro or if you know the whole grindoro yeah. format it's very much yep. like that so the whole day is like 73 miles but it's got seven segments so he he very much wants you to just like everybody enjoy the day they have waffle stops with cold pressed coffee and there's stops with like tacos and fireball shots and it's just you he doesn't want it to be on until you see the little flags that tell you 
at the start of a segment. So they have like seven time segments that are both uphill, they're downhill, they're cross streams. You know, it's just really fun. It's just a super, super fun format. So really looking forward to that. And then uh, Sunday, going to do a little unpaved work. As you know, your event and our event, is they're coming up soon. So we're going to yeah. yeah stop in Lewisburg and do a little more stuff out there. And then a Ziggy Marley concert with my dad Sunday night. So neat. <laughs> my father, my eighty-year-old father, has has taken to uh, inviting me to all these concerts. So yes, we have seen Robert Cray, we have seen Buddy Guy, uh, Johnny Lang, and now Ziggy Marley. So go, Dad. Yeah. So all right. be, he learned how to text just to invite me to shows. <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta go. <laughs> Awesome. Excellent. What do you got going on? I'm going to do a nice ride on Saturday, and then Sunday morning I have to get up and drive to Reno. Yeah. Well, drive to North Star. Right. How far is that for you? Truckee. It's, uh, depending on how the traffic goes, it could be about four hours. Okay. It's not too bad. Not, you know, not as long as... Los Angeles to Las Vegas, and certainly not as long as Santa Rosa to Las Vegas. Right, that was a bad drive. Uh, but this will still this will take a little while. So I've got to plan on getting up reasonably early and getting over there. I don't think I'm going to do any riding on Sunday. I think I'm going to do all my riding on Monday and just go around and say hi and you know shake babies and kiss hands. <laughs> Is there a particular bike you're excited to check out? Or any certain pro- things? No, because I'm not really that sure of what bikes will be there to be ridden. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, you know, so there's there's plenty out there. But for me, it's it's mostly trail 29ers and long travel 29ers. Cool. I might ride some road bikes, but that's not. It's not really a great setting for doing that. It isn't. North yeah. Star is on a hillside, and so I'll be faced with either going up or down. Yep. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. No. Take advantage of the lay of the land. I think you got it. A good call there. Cool. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Think Terry Gross for the bike set. On this week's show, we continue our conversation with frame builder Eric Noren of Peacock Groove. We discuss his now legendary Purple Rain bike, among other things. One note regarding next week. We'll be taking the week off from producing both the pace line and the pole as I will be at Interbike and unable to produce said show. We'll be back the following week. Finally, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for others to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.